starting a new series today. It's going to last four or five weeks. Um, it's going to be good. It's on the fruit of the Spirit. On the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm titling this a fruit, fruit that never goes bad. And it's characteristics that you and I as believers, through the empowerment of God's Spirit, should possess in our life that would make us extremely attractive. I want you to know we are a Spirit-filled church. We are a church that believes in the filling of the Holy Spirit. And if we are truly filled with God, if we are truly filled with His Spirit, then we should show some evidence, right? What kind of evidence do you show? If you leave a scene, what evidence did you leave? You know? Not only should we be extremely attractive to other Christians, but we should be extremely attractive to the world. If we can begin there, I'm going to start with three statements on the foundation of why we're going to spend the next few weeks on this topic. Now, I've got you some sermon notes. If everybody's got a uh, bulletin, if you don't, if you may not want notes, you may hate taking notes, but some people like taking notes. Do you have a bulletin? How many here needs the notes or wants the notes? If you do, raise your hand because we're going to get our ushers moving to you. And if you look in your pew in front of you, there's a pen. And grab that pen. And if you want to take that pen home with you, take that pen home with you. Ushers, just recognize it and refill the pens. Amen. Who needs some notes? Anybody in the balcony? Are we moving up there? Good. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. All right, sermon notes. You know why I do notes? I don't do notes to impress you. I do notes so that maybe it will stick with you. I read again today as I was preparing that by Monday, most people don't remember a single thing the pastor said. Isn't that sad? Sad for me. (laughs) But how do we take what we learn in service? How do we take what we learn in Sunday school, how do we take what we learn in worship and get it into our life? You know, nothing's going to change for you if you don't get it into your life. We've got to take what we get in here. We've got to take what the Lord is speaking to you through the week and apply it. Don't just read your Bible and not let any application take place. Read your Bible and apply. Then you will start to see these fruits start to show up. So, three statements while we're doing this series today. Number one, the three foundations of the fruit of the Spirit. Belief, I want you to catch this, belief does not equal behavior. It's become obvious in America among Christians that what we believe and how we behave is not the same thing. Right? I feel like I've been saying this over and over. We don't follow it up. Now, this isn't a pattern that we should follow, but it's a fact that we should observe. George Gallup did polls saying that there are 80 million Christians in America And that how they believe, how we believe, and how we behave is very little different, if not at all different at all, than the world. We don't don't act any different than the world does. Elizabeth gave a, a stat yesterday about how there is just as many, if not more, divorces among Christians than there are among non Christians. Does that not prove the point? That we don't really show a difference. There's not much difference in the way that we act and respond than the way the world does. That stat by itself would show you. 
But that's not the pattern of God's word. James tells us that faith and works can never be separated. Faith and works should go together. When you have faith, there should be works. And works without faith is dead. So there needs to be a difference. They have to be completely related and intertwined. It says in scripture that by our fruit will we be known. That you can tell the kind of plant or what kind of tree it is because of the fruit that it has. So our Lord and the word of God would tell us that belief and behavior ought to be the same. But in America among Christians so many times it's not. Now Karen Rotaco gave us a fig tree four or five years ago and I thought we were going to have figs this year. Two years ago, whatever, a few years ago. And we still have no figs. So I question, is it a fig tree? A tree is known, that they're not there anymore. <laughs> How many of you have gotten ready for a fruit and then you go back and it's not there? I want fruit, I want a fig, I want a fresh fig. Second foundation, ministry does not always equal pleasing God. What we do is never the primary purpose of God. God is concerned about what we become through what we do. And so many times the world slogan is what? Just do it. And it's become a Christian's pattern of life to where we are do conscious. You may say, Pastor, you're talking on both sides of your mouth. Just a few weeks ago you are talking about do, 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 do. Won't you do something? You're right. For example... People will come to me and say, Pastor, what should I do for the church? What should I do for the Lord? Do you know there are thousands of jobs in this country of which you can be a Christian and do that job and be very pleasing to God? Sometimes we have the mentality that we've got to be in full-time ministry to be in the will of God or be pleasing to, the, to, to God. And you know what? That's not necessary. There are so many ways to please God in different jobs. You see, God's primary purpose is not what we do, but what we are. What we become as people. And God's evaluation of us as he watches our spiritual growth and development, he's not saying, Paul, what are you doing? He's saying, Paul, what are you becoming? The third reason for me preaching this series on the fruit of the Spirit is that taking a stand does not always equal changing society. When I say that, you know what? I want you to take a stand. Again, the Aaron Tippin song, you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything, is a great statement. But that's not what I'm talking about. What does it profit a Christian to take a stand if they don't live the life? There's a lack of integrity in the world with many Christians that are so bold in making statements, but so weak in backing it up with integrity and with the fruit of the Spirit in their life. I am not opposed to taking a stand. I'm saying, what would American be, America be if Christians who took a stand also had the fruit of the Spirit in their life? When I say that ministry does not equal pleasing God, I'm not saying that ministry is not good. This is not an anti-ministry message. All I'm saying is you can do ministry. You know what? You can have seven ministries in this church. And have six, six different gifts in operation in those ministries and still not be pleasing to God. Because you know what you wind up doing? You wind up working for your salvation. And you can't work for that. That's a gift. And somehow we think we're going to get brownie points with God if we'll just work an extra hour. 
and that God might like me a little bit better if I do all this stuff. If you really want to make a difference, let's concentrate on who we are, not what we're doing. If you would, open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. Paul starts contrasting two different kinds of people, and we're going to quickly look at these two kinds of people. First person is the people under the flesh, and the second people are the people that are under the Spirit of God, and they're so different. They are truly black and white, not gray at all. Let's start with verse 19. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. If you got your Bibles, turn with me. Get there with me. I'm going to put it on the screen, but don't, don't rely on me. Rely on your word. People's desires make them give in to immoral ways. That is so good. I, I'm getting a flashback of last week about Miss Granny Lucy saying, I, don't, I can't remember how she said it. I don't give in to my emotions. I don't give in to my feelings. Why? Because desires give in to immoral ways, filthy thoughts, and shameful deeds. Verse 20. They worship idols. They practice witchcraft. They hate others. They're hard to get along with. People become jealous, angry, and selfish. They not only argue and cause trouble, but they are envious. Verse 21, they get drunk, carry on wild parties, and do other evil things as well. Now, again, in Jesus' name, Lord, help us apply this to us. Help us not miss that we may fit in some of those. I'm not up here to to entertain. I'm up here to represent God and for you to hear something that you need to rescue you from the pit of hell, from living a life of torture, from living a life of of, uh, sadness and depression. Somebody grab the word and apply. But Paul says something you probably ought to take note of uh, if this is your lifestyle. Look, still, still here in verse 21, I told you before, I'm telling you again, no one who does these things will share in the blessings of God's kingdom. Ding, 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 ding. That was weird. For those of y'all with the tape, somebody's cell phone rang right at that moment. Are there tapes anymore? Those of you downloading and streaming. Eight, no. I got a few of y'all that still have eight tracks. Man, give it up. The 80s are over. 70s are over. 60s are over. Even though that music's still the only music worth listening to. <laughs> the people, the, when we start showing the fruit of what I just read, those people will not inherit blessing. I don't care how much you start confessing scripture. I don't care how much you lay hands on something. I don't care how many dances you do and put your hands in the air during worship. You live that life, you're not going to get the blessing. You can play the religious game, but it's going to be empty. That was good. Black and white statement. Then he goes on to verse 22. This is where we're going to dwell, the fruit of the Spirit. And here's where God's Spirit, this is what God's Spirit does for those who have the Spirit of God. God's Spirit makes us loving, happy, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, 
self-controlled. There is no law against behaving in any of these ways. And because we belong to Christ, we have killed our selfish feelings and desires. God's Spirit has given us life so that we should follow the Spirit. But don't be conceited or make others jealous by claiming to be better than what they are. Now, what Paul's talking about here in verse 22, about being loving and happy and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled. He's talking about nine qualities that are involved in being the fruit of the Spirit. What he's not talking about is nine different fruits of the Spirit. It's all the fruit of the Spirit. It just happens to be different qualities within the fruit of the Spirit. You know, you go to the grocery store, and you go to the produce section, and it's so funny to go and watch people in the produce section. Because they pick up their grapes, they look at them. Have you ever seen somebody pull one off and eat one? Isn't that funny? Maybe eat another one. That one was good. Or you pick up a cantaloupe, and what do you do with it? I don't know what you're smelling for, but I've done it. I know you can smell something. Elizabeth sends me to get fruit, and I'm like, don't send me to get fruit. I never can get it right. Never. I smell it. It smells ripe. It's not ripe. You know, I need the state, is it the state farm? No, it's the Farm Bureau guy standing over there going. <laughs> then what do you do with the watermelon? <laughs> Whatever, I look like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> You'll teach me, thank you. We need to be taught the fruit of the Spirit. But they're picking their fruit. But when Paul talks about here the fruit of the Spirit, he's not saying that there are nine fruits and that we can go through the produce aisle and pick the ones that we want. You know, I think I'll have a little joy. Kinda, I kind of like that one. I think I'll have a little uh, patience. You see, it's possible to have joy in your life and not be faithful. It's possible to have gentleness in your life and lack kindness. Paul isn't warning us to go around. Paul isn't warning us to go around kind of picking our fruit. He wants us to become quality Christians that are well-rounded and not lopsided. What he wants is us to have all the fruit within our lives that would be appealing and attractive to the world. You see, if we wouldn't think of fruit, if we would just think of fruit and not fruits, If we would just think of fruit, this is in your notes, and not fruits, three things will happen. If we will think of fruit and not fruits, we remove the freedom to pick and choose. No longer am I going to pick and choose the fruits that I'm really really good at. Because the tendency are to go after those things that we are naturally good at. And you know what we tend to do? We tend to think those are the better fruits. Those are the better ones. But what else happens when we think of fruit and not fruits? We remove the temptation to prioritize these qualities. We remove the temptation to begin prioritizing them until we say that one is more important than the other. And you know what? I think the ones I'm good at are the most important of all. And we have a tendency of thinking that way. But number three, we see them when we think of fruit and not fruits, we see them related and essential for our life. 
we can see that if we will look at the fruit of the Spirit and see in our lives what part of our basket is empty, then we can start to fill that basket. God wants you to have a full basket of fruit, not one or two. What happens here is we begin to strive for them, and there's a connection between the fruit of the Spirit, and there's also a connection that Paul talks about the root. And do you know what the root of the fruit of the Spirit is? It's God. It's God himself. It's God's Spirit that we begin to possess in our life. These nine different qualities of the fruit of the Spirit, and then when we connect to the root, we begin to take on the character of God. And do you know that God possesses all these fruit? Do you know that we were created in his image? I believe we were created to possess all these fruit. God is patient. God is kind. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. And right on down the list. But there's a problem that when we begin to relate the fact that, that, that this is God's characteristics and that we somehow have to have God's characteristics, there's a tendency for us to check out and say, I can't do it. I will never fulfill that. My goodness, I can't achieve that. That's God. And there's a tendency, if we're not careful, to be frustrated and say, well, yep, that's God's character, but man, I know who I am and I know what I don't do well and I certainly can see that it's probably useless to go after some of these in my life. It's kind of like looking at the... uh, it's, it, it, sometimes we want to view it as God looking at us how the boy viewed his hen. And his hen finally laid an egg, and it was this little egg. He's like, oh, hen, you can do better than that. So he goes and gets an ostrich's egg and sets it next to the hen to help motivate that hen. And he tells that hen, just do the best you can. But there sits this big, huge egg. And the hen will never produce that big of an egg. And that is not what God's saying to us. God's not saying, I've put out here this impossible thing to achieve for you to try your whole life to achieve it. God does not operate like that. Now, maybe you've had an authority in your life. Maybe you've had a father. Maybe you've had a parent. Maybe you've had a teacher that tried to make it impossible for you to succeed. Not God. God has set you up for success. God has paid the price for your success, for your breakthrough, for your relationship, for your marriage, for your characteristic, for your integrity, for who you are, for your soul. He has positioned you to be the best you and to be able to obtain the qualities and the characteristics of God. That is what we're after. The reason I know this is because if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, you'll find that every one of the fruits of the Spirit, there's a command in Scripture for us to obtain this quality. And you can see on your notes, and I'm going to refer to a few extras, but you can see in your notes after each one, you know, it says that we are to love the Lord and we are to love our neighbor. And if you keep going, it says you're to love your enemies. In the area of joy, it says to rejoice in the Lord. And if you keep going, it'll say to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Peace. We're to seek peace and pursue it. Peter tells us in the area of patience, we are to be patience 
patience with everyone. Now, I've got a problem. I, I, I really like that statement except for one word. Everyone. You can do it. You can do it. It says we're to clothe ourselves with kindness. We're to do good to all people. Again, there's that tough word again, all. We're to be faithful even to the point of death. We're to show true humility to all men. Every one of us, every one of us are to show the fruit, the nine qualities of the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what? Every one of us show these qualities at certain times in our life. Aren't we patient at times? Aren't we gentle at times? Aren't we good at times? Loving, joyful at times? That's not the issue. We can all say yes to that. But when we begin to understand that the fruit of the Spirit is a standard of life. Have you ever heard the expression, raise up a standard do you know that that's what, the, that's what the family unit needs to do in our society, in our nation? You want to see the nation turn? Let the families raise up a standard. Not the government. The government should, but until the family does, the government's not going to. Until the church does, the world's not going to. The world's not going to hear us. We need to raise up a standard. When we begin to understand that it's a standard of life, the fruit of the Spirit results in two things. Again, in your notes. Number one, the fruit of the Spirit is the result of a divine inner working of the Holy Spirit. You remember when I said earlier that sometimes we look at these nine qualities of the, the fruits of the Spirit and we see that God are all these and that we're to become these. Sometimes we feel like we can't do it. Can I tell you? You can't. It takes the Spirit. It takes God to do this. But can I tell you, when you have God, you can do it. Quit listening to a lie that you can't. It takes a divine inner working of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible for me to have the fruits of the Spirit in my life unless God's working inside me. I can't achieve these on my own. But number two, the fruit of the Spirit is a result of our human response of obedience. It's twofold. We have to have God working in our lives, and then I have to have a desire to obey and want these qualities within my life. Probably going to meddle here just a little bit, but it's, it's, we're all great. We're all great with following God's way. We're all great with following God's word until somebody disagrees with us. We're all great at following God's word and being obedient to him until an authority tells us that we need to change. And then what happens is we turn on the authority and we make it out as they're the devil. God says come under that authority. Whether it's in the church, whether it's in your work, whether it's in your family, you know there are levels of authority that God has placed there for you to protect you. It's easy to obey God as long as he lines up with us. But what if he doesn't line up with us? Anybody ever had that happen? All the time. God, can't you see it ought to be done this way? No, it needs to be done that way. Go to my word. I'll show you. It's right here. Do it that way. It'll work. Wait a minute. That can't be right. My way feels right. 
There are ways that feel right, but they'll lead to death. But then there's God's way that leads to life. Everything's fine and dandy until somebody says, nope, we can't do it that way. Now what? Our human response of obedience. If we can get practical just for a moment. I believe that we interpret Scripture according to our personality. And that doesn't make it wrong. I just think it's who we are. Justin and I, I'm not even going to bring up what topic, topic it was, but probably four or five years ago, two or three years ago, he just got back from Bible school, and I sat down and we talked about a topic. And he was on one side and I was on the other side. Complete opposites. And neither one of us was going to budge. And I still don't think we've budged. <laughs> However, we've just matured. And we've realized he sees it one way, I see it a different way. I'm willing to chew on the way that he sees it. Are you willing to chew on the way that I see it? Okay, that's working out our salvation. Doesn't mean I've got to accept what he says. I've got to take the word and I've got to work, it, work out my own salvation. I can't, work out, I can't work out through his, I've got to work it out through mine. And the Holy Spirit's job is to help me interpret. There's been so many times I've read good writers that have said things that went against my theology completely. And I've wanted to toss their book. John Bevere was one of them. And I wanted to toss his book over to the side. And I thought, nope, that guy's a man of God. God works through him in mighty ways. I should chew on that. I've still not come over to where he is. But I didn't dismiss the blessing that his book had for me. I just wanted one little thing. To, it wanted to throw me off and miss the whole thing altogether. How many times have you come into church and you've missed the whole message because somebody looked at you wrong? Or somebody who's sitting in your seat. We're, we've brought two, two services back together, and I know they've sat in your seat. You, you, you still haven't gotten over that. Get over it and hear what God's got to say to you. All right. doesn't make it wrong that we interpret Scripture according to our personality. It makes us who we are. You know, I would say that a laid-back person, when they interpret Scripture, they interpret Scripture based on a laid-back personality. And, you know, a laid-back person loves the sovereignty of God. And, you know, that's how they're uniquely made. And I believe that a person with a lot of drive is just the opposite of a laid-back person and has a detailed conscience and loves seminars and sharpens their pencils and sets goals and looks intense and dresses accordingly. I know that person. And these two people go at each other. You know, I told you last week what an issue I have with clocks. You know, I got one back here, I got one here, I got one up there, I got them everywhere. And Elizabeth said, do you know, Paul, I don't even have a watch that works. That is how opposite we are. In fact, one of my children goes to my wife now and says, what's the correct time? She looked at him like, what do you mean? What's the correct time? Because she knows one of her watches is 10 minutes fast. You get in her car, that one's five minutes fast. You get, get to the house, it's different. And one of my children just said, well, ask your dad what time it is. Dad, what time is it? She's like, wait a minute. Why aren't you asking him what's the correct time? Because he will give me the correct time. <laughs> now, she and I live, when it comes to time, we live at two different times. Literally, 
But it's just the way that we interpret, it's the way that we work out our life. I would think that my way is right, but you know, it's okay. But anyway, the laid-back person would say to a a hard-driving person, you drive too hard and you're trying to organize the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, I've heard that. And you know what, To to an extent, sometimes that's right. And then the person with drive would say, well, I wouldn't have to organize everything if you would get here on time. But we have a tendency for the laid-back person to say, the battle is the Lord's. But the person with the drive, the person intense would say, but we've got to fight the good fight of faith. Now let me tell you, both are right. One has not interpreted incorrectly. Here's what I want you to understand. When it comes to the fruit of the Spirit... Because I'm about to apply this to where you are. In a moment, we're going to look at the qualities of the fruit of the Spirit. Where we're good and where we're not so good. Where I do well and where I'm laid back and and that sort of thing. Because, you know, I found that in certain areas where I do well, I have a tendency to be laid back. Because they're natural to me. And then some that I don't do well, I have to stick to it and I have to drive to get it. And those things I do naturally well and I'm kind of laid back in, I have to be careful that I remain obedient to God in them. I've told you all about a year ago how I came to this point where the things that I'm strong on, I don't rely on God on at all. I've removed God from it completely because I'm strong at it. I don't need God. And what I found is I have completely missed it because I've not been obedient to God. But then those things that I am not well at, I've got to make sure that in my driving and my trying to succeed that I'm completely submissive and dependent on God in those. Because I can't do it without them. Okay, on your notes, if you look, do you see the fruits of the Spirit? I've got a scale, a, a, a scale of degree of difficulty. And if you would, just real quickly look at those and on a scale from one. One being not difficult at all, one being you're good at that, to five being you're terrible at it. Would you take a moment and just rate yourself? Where do you fall? These are the fruits of the Spirit. One for where you're strong, five from where you're weak. And as you go through it, just circle it in your own perspective. And let me tell you, I I did this this morning. And I've got circles everywhere. It's, It's... It's all over the sheet. Peace, how are you? Patience, how are you? And wives, don't elbow your husbands and say you'll fill it out for him. (laughs) So let's apply this. I want to give you five things in closing that are your part. I'm almost done. Five things that are your part, five things that are God's part. Oh, I should have brought this up for you. That would have been better. Okay. Real quick, I'm going to go through these quickly. Let's start with me and let's start with you. I need to understand my strengths and my weaknesses. The reason we've taken about three minutes out of, out of our day to be able to write these things out, the qualities of the Spirit, is, no, is number one, my part. I need to understand where I'm strong and where I'm weak. Where are you strong And where are you weak? Being able to identify and have some reality of where you are in your life is important. You know, you will not change from your problem if you don't identify that you have a problem. 
Amen? Number two, I need to become accountable. I need to become accountable in my weakness. Can I tell you, don't come in here a year from now and be the same person. Don't go back to your job a year from now and be the same employee. Be better. Find out where you're weak and start to strengthen those weaknesses. You want to be promoted? Get stronger. You want God to, to, to move you up the ladder? Get stronger in his word. Get stronger in his ways. And it will require him to move you. There are areas where I've circled a four or five, need to sit down maybe with my spouse and somebody that loves me, maybe in a small group or Sunday school or a Christian friend and become accountable in those areas. We need to get stronger in those areas. Number three, I need to strive for consistency in my weak areas. What happens is we want to come out of here and say, man, I'm terrible at this. We work. It's like a New Year's resolution. You go and work out for a week and then you quit. This can't be a one-day thing. This can't be a one-week thing. This has got to be a lifestyle change. And be careful with this. Let's see. No, I'm not there yet. Talk to others who are strong in the areas that you're weak. Put yourself around people that will strengthen you. I was talking to somebody the other day about playing golf or playing basketball, how you need to play with people that are better than you. Why? Because it will make you better. If you're not organized, get with people that are organized. If you're not kind, be around kind people. If you don't have joy, be around people with joy. The only problem is don't suck their joy out of their life. You're there to get joy, not to take theirs. Hallelujah. That was good. And then finally, be careful. Do a project in your weak area. Probably not at work. Maybe try that at home on your own. Get good at it and then apply it to your work. Get good at it and then apply it to your spouse. Get good at it and then apply it to something that's really going to have impact on you. But I don't know. Try it at work. Just do, get it right. Amen? Amen. Over the next five or six weeks, get involved in your area of weakness. Now, God's part. This is it. I'm almost done. We need to ask God to minister to us as we pray about our weak areas. We need to seek God. I am weak in this. God, in Jesus' name, help me to be, while I'm in your word this week, to find the right word for me to strengthen that part of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Help put people in place in my life to help strengthen me in this fruit. I want to bear all these fruit. Now, Lord, minister to me. Minister to me. Number two, same line. Ask for wisdom. If we like wisdom, James says, we should ask God and he will give to us liberally if we would ask. You may say, Pastor, why do I need these nine things? Don't you remember what we read? Those are the ones that will receive the blessing. Ask God for wisdom. Where are you weak? Number three. I'm almost afraid to tell you this one. Ask God to place you in a situation that will test you. Do you know what? Even if you don't ask him, as you're trying to work this out, he'll place you there. But go ahead and ask him because you need some identification. How many of you have had somebody, something happen to you, and you respond with something you didn't even know was in there anymore? 
Or maybe you crossed a path of somebody you hadn't seen in years and then remembered how you didn't forgive them. You forgot it was there. Or you have something that happens on TV. You know, you want to know, uh, have you ever had a smell come to you that reminded you of your childhood and it took you back to a place? There's, such a, there's one unique smell from my life. Well, I've got a lot of them, but one unique smell from my life, and it was when we were raising Holstein calves, and we had to mix up this formula and put it in this big bottle and baby feed these calves. And there's such a unique smell to that. And it takes me back to that day, and I hated getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. I hated getting up and doing that, trying to raise those cows. But whenever I smell that, it takes me right back there. But how many times have you approached something or you've had something come into your life and you remember all this that's inside of you? That's where we've got to ask God, help, get that out of me. I need that out. Get it out of me. Number four, ask God to reveal your progress. Don't you need a little bit of encouragement to say, I'm getting better? Don't you need somebody to come up and say, man, you're the most joyful person I've ever met. And you think, man, I don't have joy. You were so kind. I I met with somebody at 4th of July, and somebody just grabbed me and said, will you walk with me just a minute? It was a scary thing. Where are we going? I don't know. What do you want? What do you want? Will you just go with me? Okay. Well, I wanted to, I took me over to somebody, oh, I want to know about your church. Are y'all nice? <laughs> well, yeah, I think we're nice. I think we're nice. Well, how can you dress? They got on flip-flops and shorts and a t-shirt. I said, just like what you got on. Really? I said, yeah, come just like you are. We'd love to have you. And I ran into somebody as we were walking. I said, hey, what's going on? I just started goofing off. And I'm like, I forgot I was even with somebody. I'm like, you doing all right? All right, yeah. Hey, we'll see you Sunday. She goes, that's all I needed to see. And I'm like, what? Just the way that you responded to somebody that you knew. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't see that coming. Somehow I passed that one. By the grace of God. You know what? That's what people are looking for. Not what, not what you want to tell them. It's who you are. And y'all know me. I don't handle myself right all the time. Of course I don't. But I'm trying. And, I want, and the only way I'm going to do it is if God changes me. Finally, ask God to make up the difference where you fall short. Because he will. God wants to make up the difference in your life. God wants to say, if you'll just give me a chance, I will make the difference in your life. That's where we're starting. Next week, we're going to start on the fruits of the Spirit. We're going to start on the individual fruits. But I want to encourage you. Take these notes. I want you to be praying. I want you to get God involved in your life. Don't get to Monday and not remember anything that you learned. The the qualities of the fruits of the Spirit, we want to start working on those. I don't want to be the same person next week that I was this week. I want to be better. What about you? I want my marriage to be better next week than it is this week. I want my relationships to my children to be better this week, next week than they are this week. I want my relationship as your pastor to be better next week than it is this week. Why? Because I'm seeking God and I'm expecting him to move in my life and I'm going to be obedient to his word. I'm going to come under the authorities that God has placed in me. I'm going to do the best that I can in all that I do. And when I fall down, I'm going to expect God to make up the difference. What about you?
we need to be a di- we need to make a difference. Our church needs to be a church that makes a difference. Our family needs to be a family that makes a difference. Will y'all stand up with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I just plead the blood of Jesus over every family that's here today. Lord, I just ask that your mercy and grace would just come through with, with flying colors, Lord, because we can't make it without you. Lord, so many times we try in our own efforts and we fall short. But Lord, we're going to try this week by being filled with your Spirit and by seeking you and by asking you to reveal where we're weak. And Lord, by making a purposed effort to do better. Do better in our marriage, do better in our relationships, do better in our church, do better in our jobs. Do you know you can do better for your employer? Do you know you can do better for the authorities that are in your life? Lord, help us to do better. And Lord, to not speak a good game and not play one. Lord, let us be doers of the word, not just hearers. You may be here today and you may say, Pastor, I need to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Can I tell you that it does not matter what you've walked in here with? That Jesus died on the cross for everything that you have done. There's not one thing that would say, nope, that one didn't count. He died for all the sins of the world. And do you know what? If it had just been you, he would have died for you. Would you receive Christ today? It says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Right where you sit, just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Save me, Jesus. You may be here today and you may just need a time to turn back to God. I want you to know this altar is open. Those that are, that are praying with me, if y'all would just make your way on down here. We want to pray with you. We want to believe for your healing. We want to believe for a healing of a marriage, of a relationship, of, of cancer, of back pain, of joint pain, of arthritis, of depression. What are you dealing with? I want you to know God is your answer. Would you step out this morning and let us pray with you?